Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. <laughs>
Let's go in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, this day for your glory, for how wonderful you are, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, our King, our Lord, and our God, that you are the Word of the Lord, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the ending, that you are the eternal God, that you are still alive today, that you are real and speaking to your people, that you are the leader of your people. Amen. We praise your holy name. We ask, Father, that your word be magnified today. Please help us, Father, to hear your word, to hear you speaking, to understand your language. Please help us, Father, to heed and receive your word. Pray for your anointing on this sermon, on this broadcast, on this service, that you be blessed, that you be glorified, and that the people be edified, and that we will follow your spirit, your truth, and your will. Your will be done in all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We will start in the book of Revelation here in a minute, Revelation chapter 1. And for those that may be listening for the first time, we read during services, during the sermon, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, and I really encourage you to learn why I am reading from the New American Standard Bible. If you go to the ministry website, I saw the light ministries.com, look for the article, the King James Version, compared to the New American Standard Bible. It will give you side-by-side comparisons of what was originally written in the scriptures and the the scrolls that have been found, the oldest manuscripts of the Bible, what was written in the oldest Bibles that we have on earth, compared to what it says in King James, compared to what it says in New American Standard, and make that comparison of what are the facts I encourage you to check that article out at isawthelightministries.com. For the record, today's day is July the 2nd, 2016 A.D., in the year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank God, in Jesus' name, that he got us through the month of June. Amen. Praise God. And on God's created calendar, it is the 27th day of the third month. 27th day of the third month. And if you want to learn how 
to read God's created calendar and what that means. There's an article on the website about that as well. Just look for the article about God's created calendar, the original calendar that man used to go by way before the current calendar came along that is actually called the Gregorian calendar, the Pope Gregorian Catholic calendar is what people use today in the uh, Western world. But God's created calendar is much older than that, and you can learn how to read his agent calendar, how to tell the time of the sun, moon, and stars at isawthelightministries.com. Well, today's topic is the meaning of the words alpha and omega. Uh, many of you know that God led me to come out with a translation of the Bible called the Alpha and Omega Bible. And those words Alpha and Omega are listed in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him, so it is to be. Amen. Who is that talking about? That is talking about Jesus, of course. He's the one coming in the clouds. He is the one that was pierced in his side. Verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. So, <clears throat> Verse 7 is referring to Jesus, and then Jesus speaks in verse 8. Some people try to claim that verse 8 is not Jesus talking, but rather it's the Father talking because they ignore chapter 21 and chapter 22 where Jesus repeats the same words, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And they ignore verse 7, where it's talking, identif identifying who he is. <clears throat> We've learned many times that in order to understand the Bible, we have to get each phrase, each word, each sentence that we're studying in the context of the chapter. So you have to look at the context. And the context is... Jesus. And that we also know that Jesus is the Father. They asked him, show us the Father. And he said, have, not, have I not been so with you and you have not known me? Jesus was like, don't you know who I am? Show us the Father. I'm here. You know, how much more clear can you get? But people still refuse to believe that. Even to this very day, people to this very day do not accept what Jesus said. They do not accept who he claimed to be, who he taught himself to be, what the scriptures proclaim him as, as God. Jehovah Witnesses do not believe that. Jehovah Witnesses do not believe that Jesus is God. That we are reading some scriptures today that will make that very clear, that Jesus is the Alpha 
and then maker. That he's the creator. That he's the father. That he's the beginning without beginning and without end. Amen. And what that really means. And more stuff. Look at chapter 21, verse 6. Let's just go to verse 1. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and first earth passed away and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adored for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. Remember that word tabernacle. I encourage you to underline it, because we're going to see the same word as far as the Greek goes in the book of John, chapter 1, here in a few minutes. You think of tabernacle, you think of the Feast of Tabernacles. You think of a tabernacle as being a, a temporary booth, a motel room, a tent, a tabernacle, a temporary dwelling or a dwelling or even a permanent dwelling. Behold, the dwelling place for the tabernacle of God, is among men. Among men. He came, the word of God was made flesh. He came to tabernacle among men. We'll see that in John in a minute. And he will dwell among them. So now Jesus was the tabernacle of God. It's hard not to refer back to verses that we've not read yet. But I'm sure you've read John 1 many, many, many times over and over, praise God. Uh, But Jesus was the tabernacle, or is the tabernacle, of God. He is the tent of God. He is the dwelling place of God. He is the body of God. He is the flesh of God. You see, God is spirit which exists throughout all the galaxies and all the solar systems and all the universe and planets and moons and all the nations. He fills the universe. He's everywhere at one time. He fills the universe. But he has, he has a tent. He has a tabernacle, which is in the body of Jesus. So it's talking about Jesus himself is among men. God with us. Jesus means God with us. And he would dwell among them. But he's talking about paradise. He's talking about new heaven, new earth. When all the trials and testing is done and over with and all the wicked have been consumed in the lake of fire and all death and darkness is all gone. And now we're in paradise. And now God is dwelling with us here on this earth in a way and a form that we can see and know. Amen. 
And it says he would dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. So Nehemiah calls it not only the tabernacle of God, but God. So now it's referring to the same Jesus as being God. God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, and there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away, meaning things from the former earth, the formal life, the formal way of things that are currently are. Verse 5, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So he is a creator who is going to recreate, making, creating all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning, and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the stream of the water of life without cost. You have to go back to John 7 to see where Jesus, during the Feast of Tabernacles, stood and said what he said. John 7, verse 37. John 7, verse 37. Now on the last day of the feast, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So, is this not referring to Jesus? Absolutely. He said, let him come to me and drink. Amen. And here, it says here, going back to Revelation 21, that I will give to the one who thirsts of the spring of the water of life without cost. How much clearer more clear can it be. It's referring to Jesus. It is Jesus speaking. Amen. He is saying, I am the Alpha and Omega. Now, look at chapter 22, verse 12. Chapter 22, verse 12. Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, I am coming Quickly, who's coming? Jesus is. Chapter 1 said he's coming in the clouds. I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Amen. So right here, Jesus himself refers if you look at verse 16, it says, I, Jesus. So he's identifying who's speaking, who is saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I, Jesus, am saying, I am the Alpha and Omega. And in verse 13, he defines what the words mean, Alpha and Omega. 
He says it's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, as far as beginning and end goes, if you look at the last chapter, I mean last verse of the Bible, the last verse here of this chapter, verse 21, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. He's in the last verse. If you look at Genesis 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, he's in the last verse. He's in the first verse. He is the beginning and the end. Amen. He is the creator, and he is the one that will finish what he started. Amen. That what he has started, that he is faithful to finish. Amen. He's not going to leave it halfway done. And he existed in the beginning. He will still exist in the end. He is eternal. Amen. He is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Amen. Um, Alpha is the first letter of the Paleo-Hebrew, ancient Hebrew language, as well as what we know today, what we call today the Greek language. So a lot of people say Alpha or A is the first letter of the Greek language. That's true. But as I've said many times, and as the articles explain, and as the Alpha and Omega explains, the Greek language is the Paleo-Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew language that Moses wrote the scriptures in, that all the scriptures, or most of the scriptures, were written in. And as then the letter A, uh, well, let's look at this fact here. The letter A and the omega, now the omega is the letter O, and in the ancient Greek, ancient Paleo-Hebrew, the letter O was the last letter of the alphabet. So you had the first and the last letter of the alphabet. The letter Z was not yet invented originally, uh, and so for an extremely long time, the letter O was the last letter of the alphabet. Both of these are vowels. A and O, they are vowels. And a lot of the Hebrew roots people will try to claim that there was no vowels in Hebrew or in the ancient Hebrew. And yet, these two letters are the first occurrences in human history of writing God down in the stones, in the sand, on the cave walls. They were the first letters written or first words or first pictures for the word God or creator. 
So how can you say that the vows didn't exist? That's crazy. So uh, we know that man wrote uh, these two letters to refer to God many, many thousands of years ago. Even before the time of Moses, people were using both of these letters to refer to God. And both letters were used interchangeably to refer to God. Even as today, we will use different words referring to God. We could say God or Jesus or Father or Lord, and yet we're, we're referring to the same God. So back then, they would use these two letters interchangeably to refer to God. And the, the A, uh, we call it, the Alpha, that's what we call it. But they wouldn't pronounce it as Alpha. They would pronounce it as A or A or something like that. But we call it Alpha. And that was the name given to that letter. The Alpha character or the letter A was originally represented in several different ways, and I'm going to put it up here on the, uh, uh, the whiteboard, the dry erase board, and I know the people listening online won't be able to see it, um, but it will help me to explain it, and maybe you can visualize it. Uh, it was represented, the alpha was represented by an ox head with horns. So, Something like this. I can't draw real good, but an ox hand, ox head with horns, because that the ox was very important to agriculture. We'll talk about that some more later, but the Another way that the Alpha or letter A or God was represented was also by uh, just a circle. And another way was a circle with just a dot in the middle to represent that, uh, well, the circle by itself represented uh that he is over all things, all encompassing. So, it, like I say, he fills the entire universe. So, if I put an O circling the entire whiteboard or chalkboard and encircle the entire board, representing the entire universe, put a circle around the entire board, you got a circle representing all existence, that he fills the universe. But if you put a dot in the middle, then that kind of confines it in its meaning to the center of the universe or the, the head of the universe, the leader of the universe, 
the creator thereof of that universe. And so it was also eventually came to be a circle with a little plus sign in the middle. And sometimes it was a circle with an X. Sometimes it was a circle with a cross. Sometimes it was a circle with a line down the middle going vertical or horizontal, either one. Or X in the middle or X... um, Uh, X that filled the entire circle or just little X in the middle uh, across that uh, filled the entire circle or across that which is in the center of the circle. So many different ways was the alpha represented. But the thing about it is the omega was represented by all, all of the same symbols except for the ox head. Every one of these symbols, a circle, a circle with a dot, circle with a plus sign, a circle with an X in the middle, a circle with an X that fills the circle, a circle with a cross in the middle, a circle with a cross that fills the entire circle, a circle with a vertical line or a horizontal line. Any of these different types was represented to represent God as well as the letter A, as well as the letter O. So, again, the Alpha and Omega both was interchangeable to mean the very exact same thing. But then mankind said, let's distinguish, make it, let's spread it out a little bit and distinguish this. And so they said, we're going to take this ox head and turn it upside down. Well, before they turned it upside down, it became before they turned it upside down, they removed the the uh, circular pattern and the curved pattern and made it all straight lines. Before we turn it upside down, let's work with the octet the way that it originally looked, but but instead of using curves, using straight lines. And what you come out then is being an upside down A. So when when mankind stopped, when mankind stopped or uh, tried to remove some curves and start making that more straight line writing, they still used ox head, but with straight lines, which was an upside down A. Then, eventually, they turned it upside down and looks like the A that we use today as a capital A. So the capital A that we use today is an upside down ox head using straight lines. (laughs) So I'll say that again. The the capital A that we use today is an upside down ox head using straight lines instead of curves. And another thing is that 
the TH sound. The TH sound as in uh, th, th as in the or the or th or th, uh, a lot of there or the TH sound uh, was also written all of the exact same ways except for the ox head. So the TH sound was represented by the circle with any of these different configurations of lines and characters inside the circle. So you had at least three sounds that was represented by the circles. Uh, the sound of A, the sound of O, and the sound of the. And so when we look at the word theos, T-H-E-O-S, that first T-H sound comes from this. as well, okay? Uh, uh, some people call it uh, theos, theos, and different other variations of how you would pronounce that word. I'll say P.O.'s to express the O in it more. Now, I think that's probably more correct is to say uh, the O as a, uh, as a long O. Uh, P.O.'s or, or something along that line with a, with a long O, I think, would be more correct. The ox head is very important because the ox was extremely important to the original aquaculture farming of uh, the time of uh, Abraham and Jacob and all these people of the Bible as well as Moses and Noah and all the way back then, thousands of years ago in the Middle East, they really did not use horses yet for their killing of the land. They used oxes. And the ox was much stronger than the horse. The ox could plow the ground for a longer period of time that had more stability about them. They wasn't so easily excitable. So the, the ox was more patient, less excitable than the horse, more patient, which represents a character of God, a personality characteristic of God of being more patient, less excitable, more long-enduring, long-lasting, long-suffering, characteristics of God. The ox can pull heavier heavier loads than a horse can. Today, we use the term uh, horse pie 
But if you want something stronger than so many horsepowers, we should have machinery of ox power because oxes are stronger than a horse, and that's powerful. That is powerful. Amen. Oxes can pull heavier loads for a longer period of time than a horse can. So, for thousands of years, man used ox and all the different species and subspecies of the ox family for their killing of the lamb and working of the lamb rather than the horses. Now, the, the O for omega, if you got a O, then that is a complete curve without any beginning and without any ending. So they would use the O to represent a God that has always existed. Amen. Now let's get some verses for all of these. And we need to go to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Verse 1. Hebrews 7 verse 1 For this Mechaziah king of Salem priest of the Most High who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and bless him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth for tithe, part of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, King of Righteousness. Mekesiak was King of Righteousness, then also he was King of Salem, which is King of Peace. We know that all these words refer to Jesus Christ. So Jesus was Mekesiak. Mekesiak was Jesus. So Jesus actually walked on this earth before, before he was born. Uh, even as angels can appear unto men, even God appeared unto men in the form of a man, even as he did to Jacob and wrestled with Jacob. He has appeared in the form of a man. In verse 3 it says, without father, without mother, at the time. Now, Mekesiach was not born, you see. Mekesiach was Jesus uh, magically, for lack of a better word, appearing to appearing to be 
in the flesh. But he had never, Melchizedek did not have a birth as Jesus did. So Jesus was manifesting himself in a different way. And without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God or manifested himself like the Son of God, he remains a priest. Who does? Melchizedek. So who's the high priest? Jesus or Melchizedek? They're the one and the same. Interchangeable. Different words to represent the same high priest. He remained a priest perpetually. Amen. And Abraham gave his tithes to Melchizedek, even as we still do give our tithes to Melchizedek to this day. Amen. Jesus is high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And that's right after uh, Ephesians, I think. Yeah, right after Ephesians. Colossians 1. Verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. So he is the manifestation, even as Mekasiak manifested himself to Abraham, Give the image, the picture, the the visualization. Jesus is the visualization of the invisible Father, the firstborn of all creation, meaning that he was the first to be resurrected to eternal life. That's what it's mean by firstborn now that he is the first to be resurrected, and it's also meaning that he was the first to be baptized with the Spirit. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit came down from heaven, entered Jesus' body, physical, fleshly body, and Jesus was born again that day. Because Jesus, even though he was God in the flesh, he was still a man born of Mary. And as a man born of Mary, being the son of man, he had to be baptized. He had to be baptized. And so he was born again, and he was the first person to be 
born again. Nobody had ever been saved up until that moment. Nobody had ever been saved by the blood of goats. Nobody had ever been saved by the Passover annual sacrifice. Up until that moment that Jesus got saved as a human, because he was both God and human. He was both Son of God and Son of Man. And because he was half human, that that human part of himself had to be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, and be saved and born again. And he was the first saved, the first born again, the firstborn. And that's what that's referring to. He was the firstborn of all creation. Now, Jesus, as far as him being God, was never created. Jesus has always existed. But out of all the creation that exists in all of men, he was the first saved and born again. And his flesh was created. His flesh did come from Mary. So in that way, his flesh was created. The body of Christ was created. But his spirit, his soul, and his mind had always existed. So Jesus was never created, but his flesh was. Verse 6. For by him all things were created. By him, by Jesus, All things were created. The sun, the moon, the stars, water, clouds, vaporization. All things was created by Jesus Christ. He is the creator and he has always existed, even before birth. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body. Remember, it was, he was first represented by an ox head. Or a circle, whichever one came first, he was represented by a circle and by an ox head. So he's the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, meaning he's the creator. And he's the firstborn from the dead. So he was firstborn of the water and by resurrection. Now, there had been other people that had come back to life. And there had been other people that may have even come up out of the ground. But those people died. Once they came up out of the ground, lived for a few more days, weeks, months, years, eventually died. But Jesus was the first one to come up out of the ground that still lives. And in fact, the only one that has ever come back up out of the ground from the dead that still lives, the only one that is still awake, talking, living, moving about. 
so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. So now, he's always been first, he's always been head, but yet it has prediction that he shall become head, that he shall become first place in everything as well. Because through the body and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Father is working something. He is working to reconcile all creation to himself. He's working to reconcile mankind to himself. And then once all that is accomplished, death is defeated, sin, wickedness, and darkness, and rebellion is all defeated, and man has been reconciled to him, and all things have been reconciled to him, and death itself is defeated, and he's put all things under his feet in that way, in that manner, in the future, then the flesh of Jesus and the Son of Man will no longer be needed. And that Son of Man will become subjected to the greater measure of the Spirit of the Father and it is like two two circles coming back into one, merging back into one. And they should become one again. Right now, there are two manifestations of himself in heaven. Both the Alpha and the Omega are both up there in heaven, talking to one another, looking at one another, interacting with one another, with Jesus given submission of himself and servitude to the Father. But they are not two beings or two persons. They are the one and the same spirit, the one and same soul, the one and same being, the one and same God, the one and same creature. But that son of man part will will not exist in paradise. We will no longer, no longer look at Jesus. When we get to paradise, new heaven, new earth, we will no longer look at Jesus as being the Son of Man. We'll never, we'll never again look at him that way. But we'll always look at him as being the Father. Now it says here in verse 19, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaging in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body, in his image, through death, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond approach. 
reproach beyond shame. So he's got this goal that he is working for. God has got a goal that he's working for. Once that goal is meet, met, then there will no longer need, be need, need for the cross or for a body. You won't need have a need for a body. He won't have a need for a body. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Jesus will always exist, always exist, but he won't be the son of man no more because even mankind won't exist anymore, but we will be spirit. We will be spirit man rather than fleshly man. We'll be even as the angels are. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning, he said, I'm the beginning and the end. In the beginning was the Word. So in the beginning there was God. This Word was God. So the Alpha means in the beginning. Amen. So you could put here, Instead of in the beginning, you could put Alpha was the word. You could put it that way, would still be accurate. Now, we got these letters, how we pronounce things, A, B, C, D, so forth. This is him. This is him. He is the word. Meaning that he was the first to speak. God was the first to speak, was he not? He spoke the existence, the creation, into existence. The first words ever spoken, the first sounds ever pronounced was from God. Amen. That's something powerful to think about. And that speech was his own presence, his air, his breath, his vibrations of his vocal cords, the vibrations of his being. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if I say, my voice is with me, it's not a different being, but my voice exists. My voice exists. My voice exists with my being. It is part of me. It's not a second being. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That voice was God's being. He was in the beginning with God, and all things, as we read in Colossians 1, all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Verse 4, in him was life, 
and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So it's going back to Genesis 1, when there was darkness. And there was a man sent from God, talking about John the Baptist, whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, John the Baptist wasn't, but he came to testify about the light. And there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens all men, every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Amen. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Not just a mere belief, but entrusting their souls is what that word believe means. Marrying your soul to him is what that word believe actually means. Brittany did not know what the sermon was going to be about today. That God spoke words in her mind, in her heart, to give her that song. We choose the fear of the Lord. We choose the ways of the Lord. We choose the word of the Lord, meaning we choose to follow him. He chose us first, but we chose him right back to follow him. That means to marry him. This is not a casual one-night stand. This is marriage, a lifelong following of Christ Jesus. So to believe in him is more than just say, I see him across the street and I think he's good looking. But rather is, come, be with me, communicate with me, and be my groom forever and ever without divorce. It's much more than a casual looking or casual belief or just to believe that he does exist or to believe that he is God. The devils know all that, believe and tremble. But we choose to follow him day and night and say, I do. And that's what baptism is. Baptism is say, yeah, I've already said a prayer but now I'm going to slide on the ring. Baptism is, I do. Amen. Now I know I use very carnal analogies at times, but it helps to understand. Now it says here that in verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That could be referring to that um, we are born again. When we slide on that wedding ring and say, I do at baptism, or it could be referring to even Jesus himself, even though he was born of the flesh, but that he was born 
by the predestination of God. It can refer to either one there. Verse 14, and the word, Jesus, became flesh. Amen. And dwell, that word dwell is the Greek word for tabernacle. Remember in Revelation it says, in paradise, new heaven, new earth, that he was tabernacle with us. So here it says he did come in tabernacle among us, meaning that it was God manifesting himself in the flesh. He was the visual dictation, even as Melchizedek was a physical manifestation or visualization, the image of God. Tabernacling among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He comes after, he who comes after me, meaning six months after John was born, Jesus was born. John the Baptist was his cousin. And John the Baptist was born six months earlier than Jesus was first cousins, and John is saying, even though he comes after me, even though he was born after me, and even though he has made his uh, manifestation of his ministry known to the people after I've already had my ministry going for years, he's come after I've I've already prepared the way for him. I've been preaching about his coming, and he's come now after this, but even though he was born after me, and even though his ministry came after mine, he who comes after me has a higher rank. And that's what the word alpha means. The word alpha means many, many, many different things. It means first, means beginning, means first letter. But it also means highest rank. The alpha, the highest rank. If you think of me and Brittany watched a documentary very recently of uh, the chimpanzees. And it showed how that <clears throat> this one family of chimpanzees had like about 50 or so. To, uh, what? Wow. These 50s just keep on coming. Praise God. There's 50, ch- 50 chimpanzees in this uh, chimpanzee community, but you only had one. Main alpha male that was king over all the chimpanzees. And he was the biggest and the strongest. He was the only one that ruled. Amen. He was the highest rank. Amen. Now, some of the other big male chimpanzees would occasionally say, I want to be king. And they would throw a fit. <laughs> and said they, they didn't really hardly fight, fight. No one actually would get hurt most of the time. But they would just throw a temper fit and like... Uh, uh, Throw, throw trees and, and uh, stump about and stuff like that. Just make a temper fit. And um, 
And so it would throw the whole community in chaos, and everybody would be going haywire and everything. But then everything would settle down, and the Alpha would still be in control. The Alpha would always remain in control. And then even after that was made known that he is still the leader, he was still stamp about being the last one to stamp about, showing that he is still the Alpha, that he is still the highest rank, he is still in control, that he is still the king. Amen. And he is a jealous God. Amen. And others try to exalt themselves, but God is still the Alpha and the Omega. There'll be no end to his throne. Amen. He's the Alpha and Omega. There'll be no end to his throne or to his leadership or to his rank. And says here that he has a higher rank than I, verse 15. For he existed before me. Even though John the Baptist was born first, Jesus existed before. Verse 16, for of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth was realized through Jesus Christ. Now let's look at the book of Psalms, book of Psalms, chapter 33, verse 6. Psalm 33, verse 6. Psalm 33, verse 6 says, by the word of the Lord. Now, this originally said, by the word of G, J-E-H. By the word of G, the heavens were made. That's what Colossians says. That's what John says. For the word, by the word, by the speech, by the vocalization of God, by the vocalization of an invisible God, so you would only have the sound. Wow. Sound came first before visualization of him. He was invisible. He spoke, he already existed, but once he spoke out loud, even that was the first creation. I say that the first creation was speech. By the word of G, the heavens were made, 
He spoke all things into existence. And by the breath, by the movement of air in his being, of his mouth, all the host, all the multitudes, all the planets, all the creation was made. He gathered the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in the storehouses. The waters lay up the deep in the storehouse means he gathers the water together in their lake beds and ocean beds. Verse 8, verse eight let all the earth fear G, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. That all the inhabitants of the earth stand in awe of him. If we look at the chimpanzee family, all the younger males and females and all the other chimpanzees all looked up to the alpha male. And they all stood in awe of him, honored him, respected him, feared him. The alpha, alpha male, Jesus being the greatest and original alpha male. That word alpha has many meanings. And among that is that he is perfection. We'll get more into that. But it says here that Verse 8, let all the earth fear G. Brittany had that song God told her. That we choose the fear of the Lord. We choose the word of the Lord. It says here, let all the earth fear G. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Verse 9, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Amen. The Lord, G, nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of G stands forever. So these other people are trying to stand up. The nations, the people, the antichrists, they're trying to exalt their authority. But it says, Jesus nullifies that he crushes their rebellion. He crushes their rebellion against his authority. He frustrates their plans of the people. The council of G still stands. He is still the alpha male. The council of G stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is G, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Amen. Praise God. Look at Romans 4. Romans chapter 4. Verse 16 and 17. Romans 4, verse 16 and 
Verse 16 says, For this reason is by faith, in order that we may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, uh, meaning spiritual promises, that God gave spiritual promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Manasseh and Ephraim, to us, that these promises came down through Abraham, who honored and worshipped the Kaziak. Verse 17, as it is written, a father of many nations and I have made you in the presence of him who he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. So God speaks things, calls it, speaks it into be this word call into is to speak bring it into being that which does not exist amen so we see here again how God is the creator how Jesus is the creator now the word alpha also means the prime specimen, the way it's supposed to be. If you have an alpha, then you have the perfection of what something is supposed to be. You have the origin, the first, and the perfection. The origin, the first, and the perfection of what something is supposed to be. And what we are to become. What we are to be modeled after. What we are to be modeled after. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 20 to 28. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 says, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who are asleep. So there are many, many, many people who are asleep in the grave, but Jesus is the first fruit of those who have risen from the dead who are still alive, who is who is still alive. Verse 21, for since by man, talking about Adam, came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. So the first human, the first alpha human, Sin entered in and death entered in because he lost his alphaness. Amen? Adam stopped being the alpha male of the two, even though uh, Eve had already sinned. 
But it all came to be through Adam as far as the sin and the death. So perhaps, just conjecture here, but perhaps if Adam had not gone alone with Eve, that maybe death would not have entered in somehow. I don't know. But through Adam. Or maybe because that she had been made from him, that is why it's saying that death entered in because they were considered as being one flesh. So even though that she had sinned before he did, it was still through his flesh because she was part of him and they're considered as one. So maybe that's what it's saying there. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, not all in the same resurrection, contrary to what Babylon teaches. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and after that, those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end, the second resurrection and the hundred years, the great white throne judgment, when he hands over the kingdom to the Father, to God the Father. So Jesus, once we get to new heaven and earth, Jesus, once we get to the lake of fire, Jesus, once we get to the great white throne judgment, Jesus will say to the Father, it is done, it is accomplished, and he will merge back in with him, they will be one again, one manifestation again, so you won't have both Jesus and Melchizedek, or you won't have Melchizedek and the Father, or Jesus and the Father, but it'll be all one manifestation of himself. So it says so that he hands over the kingdom to God and Father when he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power. When he, when he quenches and destroys all the rebellion, all the other chimpanzees that have tried to come against his rulership, put all of them in their place, destroy them, burn them in the lake of fire, extinguish them out of existence, then... They will merge and be one. Verse 25, for he must reign until. Now we know Jesus is high priest forever, but yet there is an end to his, him being the son of man. And he must reign until he has put all things, all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that will be abolished is death. Death and the grave will be cast into the lake of fire. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is expected, future-wise, who put all things in subjection to him, that when all things are subjected to him in the future, then the Son of Man himself also will be subjected, will no longer need to exist, to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God will be whole, is what Alpha and Omega Bible says, so that God will be whole again. So God basically split apart, like an egg splitting apart into twins. That You have one egg that's split apart into twins that will reemerge and be whole. It's what it should be translated here if you look in the Greek. So I know this is very controversial. I know it's contrary to what Babylon teaches, 
But people need to understand this because if we understand this, then we will understand how you can have both the Father and the Son and they're both the Father. How you can have both the Alpha and the Omega, yet they're one. They're the one and the same. They always have been, always will be. Amen. They're the same. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 1. At one time, well, we still have it today. You have your capital O and your small O, but it's the one and same letter. One John chapter three verse one. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called the children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself even as he is pure. So what I'm talking about now is the alpha is the prime specimen of what it's supposed to be of which we should model ourselves after. That he is the example and what we shall become. God does not want any of us, man or woman, to always remain servants or slaves to him or to man or to sin or to death, but rather to be his friends and his children. He wants us to be his friends, his children, his bride, his companion, his relationship, his family. And if he's the alpha male and the leader and the head and is strong, then we should want to model ourselves after him. And it says here that we are the children of God. And do not children want to be like the father? Do not sons want to be like their father? Do not do not do not even the young gentees want to eventually become the alpha male? as long as a person does so in the right way. Not to overthrow his throne, but rather to model themselves after him. Amen. To become eventually the alpha male of their own clan, of their own family. That these chimpanzees, after they've grown old enough and mature enough, will leave their mother and will even leave the pack at one time, some of them may, and become their own alpha male or their own pack. 
But we'll never leave God. Amen. But he is the one to look up to and to model ourselves after him. As we are his children, who seeks not to exalt ourselves, but he will exalt us in due time, that we shall be called children and not servants. Now it says here in verse 3, everyone who has his hope fixed on him purifies himself even as he is pure. He is our example. Purity. The alpha is something that is uncompromised, is something that is not weakened, something that is not watered down, something that is not corrupted, the perfect specimen, not watered down, not corrupted, not compromised, not weakened. It's in control and it's in perfection. We should seek to become like this, that we should seek to become uncompromised. We should seek to become strong. We should seek to become unwatered down, uncorrupted. Amen. Even as Romans 12 says, let's go to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed or corrupted to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God is and that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We are supposed to be transformed into his image. That he is the role model, that he is the perfect model, and we are being formed like clay into his image to become like him. Matthew 28 tells us also that he set the example. Look at Matthew 28, the last few verses of Matthew 28, verse 20. Matthew 28, verse 20. That he told us to go teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So he's saying, I set you the example. I have taught you. Yes, I have power. Yes, I'm the alpha male, but I've taught you. I've instructed you. I've taught you things of how to do things. You know how the chimpanzees learned was by watching their parents, by watching the older uh, chimpanzees. They would watch the older ones how to take a limb or piece of... uh, of a tree branch, a thin limb, stick it down in a hole for the termites to grab onto, and then they pull it up out of the hole and uh, 
the termites off the stick. Very intelligent. Extremely intelligent. And so the younger chimpanzees would learn by watching him. So here we learn by watching him and what he has taught the disciples. He says, go and teach others to observe and watch and do as I have instructed you and taught you to do. Look at John 13, that we should do this with foot washing for Passover, something that most of Babylon does not teach. John 13, on the day of Passover, after we have communion, John 13, verse 14, John 13, verse 14, Then I then, the Lord and the teacher, meaning I'm the Alpha, I've set you the example, I'm the Master, I'm the Lord and the teacher. He's basically saying, me as being the Alpha specimen, being the example, being the perfect example, being the leader, being the head of the church, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, worst your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. So we should model our actions and our worship and our communion and the things we do in worship and servitude after his perfect example, after his perfect specimen, after his perfect example, following the example of the alpha male. Look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 51. Now, the alpha and the omega also means the source of life. For one thing, the ox was the animal that could be attached to the equipment to uh, work the threshing floor and to grind the meal to where they could have bread, which your bread was one one of your number one staples of food for your family of the ancient world. So the ox was extremely important to their food supply, provision to where they could get bread and till the ground for all their food and so forth. And the strength, it was the workhorse, it was the bulldozer of the time. So it was a source of provision. The alpha and omega means source of provision, source of life source of bread, source of of food, source of strength, source of provision. Here in John 6, verse 51, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, 
he will live forever, and the bread also which I give for the life of this world is my flesh. Then the, so he's given his flesh, his soul still exists, but he gives his flesh. Verse 52, then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, or amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man, talking spiritually and symbolically, not as the Catholics believe, but rather spiritually, symbolically, that he's saying, this represents, that this wine represents the blood, that the bread represents the body, not that it's actually turning into those things. But unless you eat the flesh symbolically, spiritually, eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. So taking communion is 100% required. So lots and lots and lots of people out there thinking they said a prayer, they're saved. They are not saved unless they are baptized and have taken communion. If you've not been baptized, you're not saved. If you've not been taking communion, you're not saved. Now, it's possible to get saved before baptized and before communion, but you must eventually do that baptism and take that communion or else that salvation is only temporary. You only receive a seed of salvation upon prayer. You only receive a a seed of salvation upon anything you do until you're both baptized and have taken communion. For this represents his death and his resurrection. Both the baptism and the communion represents his death and resurrection. So we have to do these things. Even as Jesus did do these things, As being the alpha male, we look to him, to what he did, that we may learn how we obtain salvation and eternal life. Even as he did these things and told the disciples and tells us in the last verses of Matthew 28 to go out and to teach others to do as he has instructed and taught us. Amen. He is the bread of life. He is the drink. He is the source of life. Amen. Beginning and the end. Now, the Alpha and the Omega being interchangeable also means that he has the ultimate kingdom. He is the ultimate king with a kingdom that has no beginning and no end. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us, a child, a son will be given to us, and the government 
will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Now that word omega is the Greek word for mighty. Omega means mighty O. And it wasn't always called Omega. At one time, it was simply called Mighty O. And remember that O represented God. Now there was the small O and there was the big O. And they used a larger O or circle to represent God when sometimes they used a smaller circle to represent maybe a ruler of man or a king of man who was not actually God. So this is saying he is the mighty old. He is the, the Greek here says that he is the mighty Theos. So he is the, the big old, the big God, the creator. Eternal. So the fact that it uses those three words together at the end, the word Father here, these four words together, even Prince here, these five words together here, is very significant, extremely significant. These five Greek words together would blow your mind. These five Greek words together means he is the almighty creature, that there is nothing above him. Amen. That he is definitely all in all. That he is the God that fills the universe. Amen. And he is the prince of peace. There would be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Zeal of G of hosts will accomplish this. Not maybe, not might, but will accomplish this. Amen. Praise God. There be no end, it says, no end. Represented by the O, which has no beginning or end. It's a perfect loop. Keeps looping, looping, looping around that circle. You follow your finger around the circle. There's no beginning and no end to that circle. No end. So the, the, another Greek word here, you know, all these different words used for these words right here are so powerful. It's just mind-blowing if you think about each word, one word at a time. Amen. It's good when we're reading the scriptures to not be in a hurry, but to take our time and think about each word. If we're doing that, you come across this and be like, wow, mighty God, eternal Father, Prince, at no end. Amen. Now let's look at one more 
verse. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 and 14 of Daniel 7. Here in Daniel 7, Daniel has seen this vision of the animals that represent the different kingdoms of the world. Even as, even as I today have used the analogy of the chimpanzee kingdom, the kingdom of the apes, the kingdom of the chimpanzees, David saw different kingdoms represented by, by animals. God even uses the same analogies of the animals for different kingdoms of the earth. But then there's the final kingdom that has no beginning and no end. Come down to verse 13. I kept looking in the night vision, the dream, and behold, with the clouds of heaven were like the Son of Man, meaning he is the Son of Man, was coming. And he came to the agent of days, which was presented before him, meaning to the Father. So you see that Jesus is coming to the Father, and it was presented before him to give him was given dominion. So you have an interaction. You have an interaction of the big O and the little O and the Alpha and the Omega uh, to where that they're saying, okay, what I have planned is accomplished. All things are put under my feet, death is destroyed. All these previous kingdoms is destroyed. All the kingdoms, all the kingdoms of men are destroyed. All these other rebellious chimpanzees have been put into their place. Those that tried to exalt themselves, those that were the antichrists, those that were rebellious against my throne, they have been crushed. Death has been destroyed. Sin has been destroyed. Wickedness has been destroyed. Transgression has been destroyed. Therefore, all things are put into subjection. No longer need for any flesh. Man should become like angels, and they will be given planets and solar systems and galaxies to where you can be the alpha of your own city, the alpha of your own county or city or state or nation or planet or solar system or galaxy, but still under the rule of the ultimate alpha, the alpha and the omega. Amen. And it says, verse 14, to give him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion, power, government, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one, which will not be destroyed. Can't destroy this eternal circle 
of Jesus Christ. Amen. God is good. There be no end to his kingdom. Amen. Well, this is the message that God has anointed, given today, and confirmed that this is the message for you today. I praise God for it. Praise God for this. Well, the 4th of July is on Monday. Some people celebrate it last night. Some tonight, some tomorrow, some Monday. Different cities and towns are celebrating whatever day. I hope everybody will enjoy their weekend. Have a safe 4th of July. Uh, And we'll be back here next seventh day. eagerly awaiting God's word. Right now, we're running some ads uh, on Google, on the Google search engine. Uh, I don't like to, I don't want to seem like a hypocrite. I've spoken out against Amazon and Google and PayPal and Facebook and so forth. And I do try to not use Google. I try to use other search engines as much as possible. But if I'm going to reach out in an advertising campaign, then if I want to reach people, then I need to sometimes use the search engine or advertise on the search engine that people are actually using. If I'm going to reach uh, the multitudes and, and to proclaim to them what God has told me to proclaim and to reach the undecided and to reach those people who are seeking, people who are entering certain keywords, search engine terms, to where they're looking for what the strong delusion means or, or, or looking about possibilities of a third temple being built and, and so forth, what these things mean. Now, I've got to get the warning message out there to as many people as possible about that strong delusion that the sky is going to split open and people are going to think it's God coming. People are going to think it's Jesus coming in the clouds. It ain't going to look like a sod. He's going to be bright. He's going to be in a form of an angel. He's going to look like God. So that sky splits. They're going to be peeping into heaven. It's going to be a powerful sight. It says that he will come with power. The Antichrist will, the son of perdition will. And so people are going to be going out in the streets, worshiping him. Many, many Christians around the world will be running outside to worship him. And people must be warned. And so I'm running these ads on Google search engines to warn 
the people as much as possible. So I believe that God will look over this uh, that I'm using the Google search engine in order to accomplish this, to warn the people. Even as Paul went and stood in Mars Hill, which was a place that was used to present all kinds of false doctrines and false gods, false ideals and philosophies of men, but he stood there in that wicked place to a group of people who were seeking about what is what, what is the source of life, who is God, to explain to them the truth. Amen. This is a very important message that must be gotten out there. I have a new flyer that I put on the newsletter the other day, and it's on the website that people can order this flyer about the strong delusion, warning people about this event that is going to come. come. I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year, but it's come, and it's going to be soon enough to where we need to start warning people now. We need to tell our family and our friends, even though they will laugh, mock, and ridicule, they need to hear this warning. If we could prevent even one person that we know from going out there and worshiping him when this happens, then it would be worth all the laughter and mocking and the ridicule and the persecution. Maybe, just maybe, that when they see it happen, that they will have a second thought. That maybe their first reaction might be, what's going on? What's that light? Why is this going all the back? Who is that? What is that? Oh, no, it's God. He's coming. The rapture is true. That's probably going to be the first reaction. But then, perhaps, the second reaction may be, huh, somebody told me that when I see this, it's going to be the Antichrist. Maybe I ought to just give it a minute and see what happens. We can tell people that if you start lifting up into the sky, yeah, maybe it's the true God. Go ahead and worship him. If your body's being turned into spirit, yeah, maybe it's the true God. Go ahead and worship him. But if you're just standing there, you think you're saved, and you think you're ready for that rapture, you know you're born again, you know you're saved, and you know you're ready for that rapture. But you see the sky split, you see God up there in heaven. That you're not being caught up. Why don't you give it a minute? Why don't you give it time to see what's going to happen? Why are you not being caught up? Why are you not disappearing? Is this really the rapture? Wait to see what happens. Is he coming down to Jerusalem 
to stand on the Mount of Olives, like it says in the Bible, or is he coming down to Damascus to feel, fulfill Islamic scriptures? See where he lands. See where he goes. See what he says. What happens the next day? What's on the news? Give it time. If it's the rapture, nothing's going to prevent you from going. You don't have to believe that it's the rapture if it is the rapture. If you're saved, if you're truly saved and the rapture's real, then you're not required to believe in the rapture. You're just required to believe in him and obey him, right? You'll still go. But if it's not the rapture, and you worship the Antichrist, then what a grievous sin that would be on your record. People need to be warned against that horrible thing that they're going to do, worship the Antichrist. I have started going to the highways again, walking with the sign. Only one day so far, because I have to get reaccustomed with uh, carrying the sign and how it affects my shoulders and back and so forth. I have to start slow and get accustomed. But I need your prayers more so concerning the police and the people that like to call the police on me almost every time that I go walking on the roads, the people bring false accusations against me that I'm trying to stop traffic, interfering with traffic, so forth, which are lies, false accusations of the devil. And in this day and time, they see a man with a long beard. They may think I'm a Muslim walking with a backpack. It may be a bomb, they may think. People are so overcautious and people hate to see somebody working for God. And people hate true doctrine with a passion. People in this world are so wicked and they absolutely hate and detest seeing somebody working truly for God and manifesting, manifesting the truth on the streets. So they have to wage war. And so need your prayers as I try to start walking more often, trying to warn the people and give them this message. God is with me. He has always protected me on the roads. He has always protected me at all times. And he has always delivered me from all my enemies. Thank you for listening. God bless you, everyone. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.